Hello, I'm Darren Ellis, Higher Education Engagement Director at Unite Students, and welcome to this special edition of Accommodation Matters. On the podcast, I'm usually joined by a panel of guests, and we discuss the issues that affect universities, accommodation providers, and the students we serve. This month, however, we're taking a little mid-season break before we dive into the year ahead. Since launching the podcast in September, we've had some great thoughts and insights from our colleagues in the higher education sector on everything from how students will transition to university life in the midst of a pandemic, to how the approach to student mental health and well-being has developed over the years. Here are some of the choice cuts from our previous podcasts. If you've been with us from the very beginning, this episode is a reminder of some of the topics we've covered over the last few months. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. You picked a great week to join us. In our first podcast, we talked about the start of the new academic year and how COVID-19 had affected students' post-A-level plans. One of our guests, Nick Hillman, Director of the Higher Education Policy Institute, had this to say. You know, there are good reasons why the numbers are so healthy this year. Um, First of all, the appetite for learning in countries around the world, but perhaps particularly uh, in the UK, is immense. You know, when this year's uh, 18, 19, 20-year-olds were seven and eight, um, academics from the Millennium Cohort Study went and said to their mothers, would you like your child to go to university? And 97% of them said they did. So so the first thing is there's just an underlying huge uh, appetite for education. And then on top of that, this year in particular, the alternatives to education are woeful. You know, who would uh, have a gap year this year? You can't strap on a backpack and go traveling around uh, Asia. Uh, And equally, it'll be much harder than normal to get an interesting job uh, in your gap year. So actually, there's really good reasons why people want to go to higher education this year. And hopefully the labor market will be in a better place um, when they come out the other side. Of, of course, university, in many respects, might not be as good in the early months. Let's, let's be honest about that, as sometimes. But the alternatives to university also are nothing like as good as normal. Um, so I'm not, I'm not completely surprised that more people want to go to university this year. And, uh, you know, they'll need more support than ever. Uh, but I think in general, it reflects something really positive about our society. That episode's other guests, Robert Garnish, Director of Commercial Services at the University of Glasgow, and Ian Jones, Deputy Director of Accommodation and Commercial Services at the University of Sheffield, echoed Nick's comments. There are lots of doors which are closed to them, but isn't it great that so many people are considering pursuing their career through higher education? They're willing to come to campus and would prefer to. So I don't think there's a great deal of worry about the risk there is a worry that it might not be as good an experience, though. In the second episode, we discussed the transition from school to university life in the context of COVID-19. And Claire Marchant, Chief Executive Officer of UCAS, shared her thoughts on why she expects university applications to continue to rise. You have obviously an increasing demographic from this point onwards in terms of the UK 18-year-olds. That does vary from region to region around not only England, but the four countries. 
But, you know, as the economy and options to either travel or options to get a a job are more limited than perhaps pre-pandemic, I would expect those entry rates to keep increasing as we go through. Later in the episode, James Greenwood, who is Student Experience Manager at the University of Arts in London, talked about how they've embraced webinars to help students get a feel for the area that they'd be living in when moving to university. We've hosted a number of live webinars and they were a big hit to transition and get students used to what it will be like when students knew which hall they might be living in. We did a local webinar, which was about that area, that building, um, and what it would be like to transition and move there. And I did sit in on some of these sessions and I thought to myself, you know, why have we not done this before? We've missed a trick here. And I think that's one of the positives of what we've gone through is that we've learned new ways of working and things that we will definitely 100% keep at this university. Wayne Templeman, Director of Sixth Form at St. Bonaventure School, also talked about what the universities that he'd been in contact with were offering students to help them settle into university life. They've been through a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of uncertainty. Certainly on results day, many of them were, were very unsure as to what they were kind of walking into with online provision or real life provision. And I think from what I've learned that different universities are doing very different things. In the third episode of the podcast, our panel discussed how well-being came to the fore of the higher education sector's agenda and how that landscape has changed with the advent of COVID-19 and what lasting changes we might see in the aftermath. Professor Steve West, Vice-Chancellor of UE Bristol and Chair of Universities UK's Working Group on Mental Health in Higher Education, talked about the importance of offering mental health support to students. What we're actually talking about is a generational shift. I was very clear uh, a few years ago that we owe it to this generation of students to really focus on mental health and well-being because actually this is about preparing them for what can be a very complex, changing world. And COVID has really highlighted that to us. Another guest, Rosie Tressler, CEO of Student Minds, offered the following. I think change happens in a lot of different ways in institutions. And I think a big driver is through passionate change makers and they can be in any place. Some of the most passionate change makers I think I've met have been in the accommodation sector. So I think some of the most fulfilling um, and brilliant training sessions I've been involved with has been with security staff and cleaning staff who are so well connected and know what the reality is like for students day to day. So it's about recognising the role that they play and all the different colleagues that make up that system. Yvonne Turnbull, Director of Student Advice and Wellbeing at Liverpool John Moores University, shared how her institution handles their responsibility to students. The university that I work at is relatively unique, I think, in that we don't have any of our own accommodation. So we rely on private providers throughout for our accommodation for our new students. And that relationship has changed dramatically over the years. We've seen providers come to us who want to take on additional responsibilities, who want to be doing more. And I think that duty of care that we owe to students in this context has really developed over the last probably four or five years to a point where I think it's it's much more robust and much more effective for students. That connectivity between situations that occur in halls and then re- relay them onto the, the, the campus can be quite tricky sometimes. And I think we've moved a long, long way in, in making that, that effective and useful. Our Student Experience Director, Jenny Shaw, offered her insight on student mental health. 
Yeah, I just did want to mention our survey around student experience during COVID that we we published last week, because actually in a, a fairly grim year, it was quite a nice surprise to get the results that actually the majority of students that were surveyed were were happy with their decision to go to university, sort of recognising it wasn't the experience that they expected or wanted, but actually it was okay and it was it was valuable to them. And the vast majority, 93% saying um, they expect that they will continue their course and almost as many saying they expect they'll go back to their accommodations. So it, it felt just a little bit like actually all the things that we've all done, universities, accommodation providers to make it the best it can be this year have have worked to an extent that's not to say that there aren't some students who are not having such a great time but for the majority they they seem to be kind of okay which was incredibly reassuring that i think the one worrying finding we had there that was only just over a half felt that they were meeting people and making new friends so i think one to to look at we know there's a really strong link between uh, social integration and well-being so you know, over the next couple of terms, and particularly if we start to return a little bit more to face-to-face, there's, I think, some more work to be done there to support students to make those connections. In the latest episode of the podcast, the panel discussed how international student recruitment efforts have been adapted in the light of the current pandemic. We also discussed which international markets we'll be looking to for the next generation of international students and how accommodation teams can make sure those students have a great experience living and studying in the UK. So Steve Smith, former Vice-Chancellor of the University of Exeter, shared his thoughts on the effort that universities have made to make students feel welcome in the UK. I think there's been a real effort to try and predict what what might come next year because of Brexit in terms of making sure that students are welcome and know they're welcome to come back to the UK. And UUK itself has done an enormous amount of work to promote the UK as a destination to students in Europe. Vivian Stern, Director of Universities UK International, gave her view on the impact of Brexit on international students for the 2021-22 academic year. I would put money on there being a significant decrease in um, EU enrolments. I think it's uh, inevitable given the change in fee and loan status and uh, also the fact that EU students will have to uh, apply for visas. Um, There's been a huge effort, I think, to communicate what the new uh, arrangements will be, but I think we need to double down and work really, really hard. That's going to be our top priority um, for the first six months of uh, next year. I'm I'm sort of slightly nostalgic because Steve and I took part in a kind of um, sort of three-year-long grand European farewell tour, basically, over the course of the last um, few years, just trying to communicate, 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 explain to people what's going on, make sure they understand that there's quite a large variation in kind of international fee levels, so they shouldn't assume that it really isn't affordable anymore, make sure that they understand that the visa process isn't uh, terrifying or a kind of major barrier. Um, and also just make sure that they understand uh, features like the graduate route. Finally, I asked my panel about the hidden treasures that make the UK such a great country in which to study. When the worst of COVID is over, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, international students will undoubtedly want to get out and explore the UK. So uh, I'd like one recommendation, please, from each of you of a hidden treasure that you'd recommend to international students 
to visit uh, for a flavour of the UK. Uh, could I start with you, Steve? Well, um, Carrow Road, Norwich. This is the home of football. Uh, <laughs> I first went with my dad when I was eight, and I, I, I still watch them uh, all the time and hope they climb back to the premiership. Um, Norwich is a lovely city. Um, uh, there's a lot of lovely cities. Uh, my wife's from Edinburgh. Um, she would say Edinburgh is the best place in the country. Um, but there are some great places outside the main conurbations. And uh, frankly, there's so much to see uh, in the UK. It's a great place to visit. I hope you've enjoyed this little mid-season clip show we've put together for you. Look out for the next episode coming in February, where I'll once again be joined by a panel of wonderful guests to talk all things higher education. Thanks for listening. Thank you.